But I want to continue on this sermon series, Marks of a Disciple. And as I mentioned last week, all of these will start with an M. And uh, we're taking kind of an overview passage, which is Luke 640, which is coming up on this next screen. And it says this, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. And ultimately what that means is this, is that if you are choosing to follow Jesus, and you are choosing to be his disciple, at the end of the process of being fully developed and fully trained as a disciple of Jesus, you will be like him. The Bible tells us that in a multitude of ways, but when we see him, we will be like him. Romans tells us that we are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. It is the process that God has put us in as disciples and followers to become like him. And so today we're going to look at uh, an additional mark of a disciple. It is the third in the series. And for the text today, I'm going to turn, have you turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. And you can, of course, follow along on the screen. And, and this text that I'm reading is not all-inclusive of what it means to be growing in Christ or maturing in Christ, but is one aspect of that. And of course, I'm not going to try to take every passage in the Bible that speaks of our need to grow, that we can grow, that we should grow, that we ought to be growing. But I'm just going to look at this one passage today and we'll see what it has to say about spiritual growth. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1, New American Standard. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the lord verse two again like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of of the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. So for a little bit today, I want to preach that disciples are maturing. They are maturing. You no doubt are familiar with milk ads. Uh, when I was a teenager, maybe even, and I'm sure they were there before, but I started seeing all of these ads for milk, and, and then it just became an ongoing uh, ad campaign, and, and, there, and there's a couple of different aspects of the milk campaigns. One is, of course, they're trying to tell you how healthy milk is for you and that you need milk to, to have healthy bones and so on and so forth. And, and then there, the, the more fun parts of the ad, of course, is the fact that you get this milk mustache. If you're drinking milk, that everybody should be able to see that you're drinking milk when you take a drink. And I don't really know anybody who drinks like that, where they get stuff all over their upper lip. But that's it, it was it was contagious, I guess, and it stuck, and everybody remembers it. And then they ask the question, "Got milk?" Just two words, "Got milk?" and the question mark. And and I don't know where where you fit in, on the process of how healthy you think milk is. Uh, I like milk. I don't really don't drink it much because it doesn't like me so much. Milk, of course, was created, cow's milk, which is what we primarily drink, created by God for what? Baby cows. Not necessarily humans, but hey, 
if it tastes good, let's have at it. That's typically the motto that we go. And so I'm not going to debate with you whether it is good or whether it is bad. Just going to use that analogy to set up what the Bible tells us here in 1 Peter and the, the analogy that the Bible draws with milk. Of course, they're not talking about cow's milk in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, as we'll see. But the Bible is, is equated with milk frequently. Here in this text, it's equated with milk. And, and in Hebrews chapter 6, it's equated with milk. And like once you have tasted this, or the sincere milk of the Word, that when you should be going to meat, that you should be mature enough to have meat, you're still drinking milk. And, and that passage, and I'll refer to that passage a couple of times, but it, it uses that idea of that the younger you are and the, the less mature you are, the more you need the milk of the Word instead of the meat of the Word of God. And, and the reality uh, is that while the Bible is equated with milk, it is not going to, you're not going to become allergic to the Word of God. There's nobody that's biblically intolerant, or maybe they are, but it's not because of the Word, it's just because of them. It's not like lactose intolerant. So you're not going to have an allergic reaction, but it can make you uncomfortable. That when you hear things in the Word of God that you don't like or you don't want to do or you just don't agree with or, man, that's too tough, it can make you uncomfortable whenever you're reading the Word of God, but it's ultimately it is good for you. The Great Commission is ultimately about discipleship. It is about us making disciples, not making converts, not just having evangelism, but it is about discipleship or disciple-making and looking at what does it mean for us. Are we ultimately maturing is the question that I have for you. Are we growing in our faith? Are we becoming more like Jesus? If I were to ask you this question, how many of you want to become more like Jesus? Every hand would go up. It's not always a lack of desire, but sometimes it's a lack of putting that desire into action that hinders us. So I want to look at the Word of God and, and see what the, our text tells us. And I'm going to give you four principles about the Word of God from this text today. The first principle is this, is that Peter, when he's writing this, he gives us a prerequisite for desiring the Word of God. That there's something we need to do, and he, he lists this out for us, that if we're going to desire the Word of God, there is some things that come first. Now, in good alliteration, all of these are going to start with P's, by the way. So, right now we're looking at the prerequisite, and you might be able to remember these when we're done, just because they all start with P's. But, but he says this, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. He says, put aside some things, lay aside some things. And, and I would tell you in the Christian life, it's, it is a combination of two things, things you add in and things you take out. I was teaching a, a Sunday school class, and it's, it's probably probably been 25 years or so ago, and these were 8th to 10th grade boys. And in this process of the Sunday school class, I, I was teaching them, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian and how do you live like a Christian? And so I came to class one Sunday morning and I asked them, I was like, how are you guys doing it, being Christians? And all of them said, 
well, I didn't do this this week, and I didn't sin this way, and I didn't do all of that. That is one side of the equation, and it is that side of the equation that Peter is writing to. But there is a side of the equation we're going to look at next about what do you add into your life. That it's not just taking things out, but you do have to add in some things. But, but here, he says, we need to lay aside some sin. He said, put aside the sin that is in our lives. And the Bible uses this imagery, and, and I'm not going to demonstrate it for you, but it uses the imagery of laying aside clothes. That when you, you've been out in the yard working, you come in, and you're getting ready to go to the store, you're going somewhere else, you take off the old clothes, or you take off the work clothes, and you lay those aside, and then you put some stuff on. Paul does this in depth in the book of Colossians, where he said, lay aside this, and lay aside that, and lay aside that, and then put this on, to add this stuff into your life. And here Peter is saying, lay aside all of these old ways and all of this sin that is in your life. Specifically, he puts out the sin of malice, which is moral evil. He puts out deceit, which is baiting someone and intentionally being deceptive. He, puts a, he says, lay aside hypocrisy, which is saying what you don't mean so that you look good in front of everybody else. Lay aside envy, or jealousy is another way to translate that. Lay aside jealousy, when somebody has something you don't, you don't have and you want it, lay that aside. He says, lay aside slander, speaking evil of other people. Get rid of all of these things in your life so that you can desire the Word of God. And, and the reason that we are to put aside sin is that sin doesn't go along with the, the Christian life. It is incongruous with the Christian life. That when we come to Jesus Christ, we are to be new creatures in Christ Jesus, which means we're to walk in a new way. We're not to walk in the same old way that we've been walking, but we're to get rid of the old stuff and put on the new. And in the context of what Peter is writing here, sin specifically will hinder our love for one another. It will hinder our unity with people. In fact, if you notice these things that are listed in the in the text here, you can see them on the screen. If you notice these words, almost everything up there you see is about our relationship with one another. Nobody's slandering God, but we slander one another. Nobody's envious of God, but we're envious of one another. Nobody is deceiving God, because if you know God, he can't be deceived. He knows it all. So we're deceiving one another. It's about our relationship with other people. And then when we have sin in our life, or we have Uh, issues with our brother we have lack of unity which means we're not walking in the spirit like we are supposed to walk so he says lay aside some things get rid of some things out of your life but then he says if we're going to desire the word of God that we need to have a passion for the word of God lay aside sin but then have a passion for the word of God and he uses another analogy and he says like newborn babies Long for the pure milk of the word. And once again, he he links this idea of milk and the word of God together. But he ties that in with the idea of a newborn baby desiring milk. You're all familiar. We've kicked out most of the people that aren't adults. They're in children's ministry. So let let me say it like this. It's that 
newborn babies, you don't give them water to drink. You don't give them juice to drink. You don't give them Coke. You don't give them Sprite. You give them milk to drink. And in context, they're, they're not drinking cow's milk. You can see they're drinking human milk. He says, like newborn babies are desiring the milk from their mothers, so should you and I desire the Word of God. Just like they desire milk, that you and I should have that same passion and that same desire for the Word of God. Let me ask a question. How many of you, this is rhetorical, you don't have to raise hands, but how many of you or how many of us really desire and long for the Word of God? I read the Bible. I study the Bible. But I would tell you that not all the time do I, when I read the Bible, am I reading it because I just can't wait to read the Bible. Anybody been there besides me? Sometimes I read the Bible just because I know I need to read the Bible. And sometimes I read the Bible because I've given you a Bible reading plan. And then if I don't read the Bible reading plan, why should you read the Bible reading plan? You should because you want to be a good Christian. But if I'm not doing it, you're likely not doing it. I can't get up here and say, man, we need to be reading our Bible. Let's follow the Bible reading plan. And I'm sending it out every Monday morning at 9 o'clock in the church app. Make sure you're reading it if I'm not reading it. So sometimes I just read it because I'm asking you to read it. But Peter says that like newborn babies, we should desire the sincere pure milk of the word not the word that has been polluted not not the not the bible that's been watered down but the pure milk of the word that exactly what god has said that's what we should desire it's not about you listening to what i say about the bible it's about you getting in the bible for yourself you spending time daily in the word of god for yourself, not just hearing what I'm telling you about it today. Because no matter how good my intentions, there's no guarantee that everything I say is 100% correct. You need to read it for yourself. You need to study it for yourself. You need to get into it for yourself. Job said this. He says, I have esteemed the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. I'll tell you once again am I being too transparent do I need to put my halo up everybody good with me being transparent if I have to you, you hear these stories if you're on a deserted island somewhere by yourself what's the one thing you want and you hear people say Man, I want my bible I'm like I want some fried chicken I'll even, take, I'll, I'll even take any kind of chicken. <laughs> but 
I'm not, I'm not sure I can say I'm where Job was, that, that I want your word more than my necessary food, that what it's going to take to keep me alive. I can read the Bible or I can eat. If I'm put in that scenario, I'm like, man, I've got the word hidden in my heart. I think I'll eat today. Which is a good reason to memorize Scripture. And if it's really not a pre-tribulation rapture, when they take away our Bibles, then it might be good if you have the word hidden in your heart. That's just free today. You have that free. But we need to desire to have this same passion that a baby would have. A baby's not wanting water. They're not wanting juice. They're not wanting anything but their mom's milk. And you know when they're hungry. They're going to let you know. They're not just going to be kind of laying there looking around like maybe they'll feed me eventually. They have a passion and a desire, and until you give them what they're asking for, they're going to keep crying. And you're going to be miserable. That you and I need to have that same passion for the Word of God. As the, the psalmist wrote in, in Psalm 42.1, he said, As the deer pants for water, so my soul longeth after you. And in that text, he's talking about hunters chasing down a deer. It's not like they have a deer stand and they're just sitting up there waiting on a deer to come by. No, they're chasing after the deer. And so the deer is running to get away from them. And I mentioned this a week or two ago. One of the, best, one of the things that humans do better than any other of God's creation is they can run long distances. And they're chasing down the deer, and the deer doesn't have time to stop for water. And he says, as the deer longs for water. This deer that's being chased by the hunter and it doesn't have time to stop unless they get killed. He said, as the deer longs for water, so my soul longs after you, O God. You and I need a passion and a desire for the Word of God to spend time with God. And if I, I've already told you, I, I, don't like to, I don't like to fast, which is a good reason to fast. I don't know that I've ever met anybody who really likes to fast. But have you ever noticed, if, if you've ever fasted, and maybe, and maybe you haven't fasted, and, and, and I, I made a commitment to us, two of my groups, small group things that we do, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I'm fasting one day a week, which I've done periodically, but not every and so I'm getting back. I'm going to fast one day every week. And but if you've never fasted, you've probably been on a diet. Anybody ever been on a diet? I'm not going to ask if you fast. Anybody ever been on a diet? I, I'm on a diet every Monday myself. I, I don't. If, if you've ever went on a diet, then you know that what the human brain does is whatever you're deciding you're not going to eat. About 30 minutes into your fast, that is the thing you want. Well, I'm not eating sugar today. I may not eat sugar six days out of seven, but the moment I decide I'm not eating sugar, guess what? 30 minutes in, I'm like, man, I need a candy bar. Or ice cream. 
I'm not eating meat today. The only thing that sounds good is a big juicy hamburger, whatever it is. You, it's just the, it's the way we're wired. That whatever you say you're not going to do, that's what you want to do when it comes to food. And that same craving and that same desire we have, we want that steak or we want that ice cream. That's what we should desire when it comes to the Word of God. And maybe it's that we haven't laid aside enough things that it pollutes our thinking and it causes hindrance to our passion for the Word of God. You and I need to have a passion for God's Word. Pure milk of the Word. Let me hurry. Thirdly is this, he the writer, under the inspiration of the Spirit, gives us the purpose for desiring the Word of God. And it's highlighted on the screen. So that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So that by the Word of God you will grow in regards to your salvation. There is a train of thought in modern Christianity, in fact that it's unique in modern Christianity, it doesn't exist outside of the last hundred years or so, that you can become a Christian and at that moment of becoming a Christian, that's all that really matters. People would not necessarily articulate it this way, but I've pushed and asked the question, so, so if you become a Christian in whatever methodology that they use for that, shaking the preacher's hand, walking an aisle, saying a sinner's prayer, whatever methodology, that if you never talk to Jesus again, are you still going to heaven? Well, absolutely. Once again, that's not following Jesus. That's not being a follower of Jesus. That's believing a certain set of facts about Jesus and disbelieving the other set of facts about him, which is that we need to follow him and we need to grow in relationship with him and we need to actually love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you can't do that if you never talk to him. You can't do that if you never spend time in the Word of God. You can't do that if you never spend time praying. You can't do that if you're not around the people of God and coming together in corporate worship. You're not loving God. You're loving a get-out-of-jail-free card, or maybe in this case, a get-out-of-hell-free card. So he tells us, desire the Word of God so that by the Word of God you will grow in respect to salvation. It is an expectation of God that we will grow in our relationship to Him. That once we are saved, we would continue to grow. And we would no longer be newborn babies, but we would continue to grow. And as the writer Hebrews says this, he doesn't want us to keep drinking milk. He wants us to get into the meat of the Word of God. He uses the same milk word, but he means two different things. Here, Peter is saying we need to have a passion like newborn babies do for the milk. But we don't need to stay drinking milk. We need to mature. We need to grow. We need to become more of what God has ordained us and has called us to be. I've told you this. If you've been around any length of time. That the, 
the pattern of most of the epistles, especially those written by Paul, is he, he does this little thing where he puts the indicative before the imperative. Look at your neighbor and say, indicative before imperative. I'll give you time. Say it to three people, man. <laughs> so here's, here's, what, here's what that means. An indicative is a statement of fact. You are in this room. That's a statement of fact. An imperative, which is a command of like, go get in the room. That's an imperative. And so what the writers do under the inspiration of the Spirit is they say, this is all of the things God has done for you. He has made us holy. He has brought us into union with Him. He's made us righteous. He's set us in heavenly places. He's done all kinds of wonderful things. And after telling us all of the things that God has done, then comes the imperative. And it's basically, this is what He's done. Now live like He's really done it in your life. Live like a Christian. He has made you a Christian, so live like a Christian. Walk like a Christian. Not like an Egyptian but like a Christian. Pardon me if you don't get the musical reference. Do I need to? I went from tired to crazy. But we're to grow as Christians. That if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you will be in a maturing process. That you won't stay the same. You won't be just like you were when you became a Christian. That if you've been a Christian for 30 years, you should be more mature. Still desire the Word of God like a newborn baby. Still get into the Word, but it should be the Word should be getting into you. And so we should be walking different and talking different and living different. And our motives should be different. And our attitudes should be different. So we grow in respect to our salvation, the salvation that He has brought in us, that we grow and live out that salvation in the way that He wants us to. And lastly is this, and I needed a good P word. So this is a synonym for motive. The provocation for desiring the Word of God. I could have used motive, but provocation sounds so much better. Don't you think? I got one amen. He says, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, that's why you need to grow. If you you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, it should motivate you. It should provoke you to want to know more about Him. It should provoke you to want to study His Word and to have His Word get into your heart and life. It should provoke you to good works. That you and I, if we have experienced the new birth, if we have, that means that we have tasted the Word of God. We have tasted the goodness of God. We have experienced His goodness in, in our lives. And I would tell you that even if you haven't experienced the new birth, you're here today because you've had an experience with Jesus Christ. You have experienced Him in some way, and, and you have found out that He is good. That He is 
kind. You have experienced his graciousness as he draws you to salvation. You've experienced this. So you and I, we've tasted in some measure or we would not be here today. And, and you see that, that what he, he writes here, he says, if you have tasted in context, it might really be better to say it this way, since you have tasted Peter's writing to people who are already Christians, and that means they have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And he's using that little twist on words instead of just saying, since you have tasted, but making you say, yes, I have tasted. He's putting that if clause out there, that if you have tasted, then guess what? You need to get into the Word of God, and you need to grow in respect to your salvation. The psalmist would write it this way in Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Put him to the test. Taste and see that he is good. If I could use the opposite illustration, as they say, contrast is the mother of clarity. Have you ever noticed when somebody has something that really tastes bad? You're like, and this is horrible. Taste it. Anybody done that? That's happened much more than people would go, man, this is awesome. Taste it. They're like, man, this is awesome. Go get your own. But if this is the nastiest thing ever, Taste this with me. But the psalmist says it this way, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I want you to experience the goodness and the kindness of God. I I want you to taste. It's sweeter than honey. It's better than the honeycomb. I want you to taste that the Lord is good. And and I would tell you that when you taste Him, you're going to find out that He's good. He's not always going to tell you what you want to hear, but he's always going to tell you what you need to hear. He's always going to be on your side. He's always going to be trying to get you to be better and trying to get you to heaven. He is a God who is good, and his kindness and his mercy endures forever. How many of you have tasted of the kindness of the Lord and that he is good? Even when I fail him, he is still kind to me. Even when I I mess up, his grace and his mercy are still evident in my life or I wouldn't be here today. He's not looking to me when I I make a mistake to to hit me on the head and say, man, I'm just waiting on you to make a mistake. No, but he is kind. He says, I knew you were going to do it, but I still loved you. And before you did it, I I loved you and I knew it was going to happen, but I blessed you anyway. And now that you've messed up, all you got to do is... Call on me, and I'm going to be right there to forgive you and to wash your way, your sin again. And said, I'm going to bless you again tomorrow. That his mercy is new every morning. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So if you have experienced the kindness of God, then we, like newborn babies, need to desire the pure milk of the word. As musicians come today, I could close this message in a, a number of ways. And 
ultimately, what I want you to do is understand that disciples are to be maturing. They're continuing. They should be to continue to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and, and the Bible is full of passages that talk about growth and maturing in our faith. And this is just one of those. But I would tell you, recent research in the last three to four years by some Christian organizations has uncovered a truth that was plain in Scripture. You like it when people do research and it just proves out what the Bible has said. That when looking at all of the the actions that people could do to mature in their faith or grow in their faith, that one specific action had the most benefit and the widest correlation to spiritual growth. And that was spending time daily in the Word of God. That if people, what they found is that if people spent time daily in the Word of God, they were more likely to pray. If they spent time daily in the Word of God, they were more likely to tell people about Jesus. And if they spent time daily in the Word of God, they were more likely to show up for corporate worship and to be involved in the body. If they spent time daily in the Word of God, that they were more likely to demonstrate the characteristics or the fruit of the Spirit, the characteristics of God or the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. So while getting in the Word of God is not the only thing that you and I need to do, it's one of the best things that we can do. And obviously I would tell you to couple your reading with all of those things. I just mentioned evangelism and coming to church and corporate worship and prayer. And but if you spend time in the Word of God, not just gaining knowledge, but getting knowledge and then obeying that knowledge. Finding the truths of God's Word and then obeying it. You can't help but grow in your relationship with Him. So what I want you to do is, is this. Read the Bible. Memorize the Bible. And if you read Psalm 119, it'll tell you that, Thy word have I hid in my heart, O God, that I might not sin against you. To read the Bible, to memorize the Bible, study the Bible. Pray the Bible. And praying the Bible is simply taking the truths that you see in the Word of God and praying them for yourself. So whether it's for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You can pray that by just going, God, I'm so thankful that You loved me. I'm 
so thankful that of all the people in the world, I'm one of the ones that you love. And that, Jesus, you gave your life for me so that I could have eternal life with you. Just pray what it says. It'll change and transform your life as as you see the Bible, not just some set of facts and not just some great stories, but God himself speaking to you through his word. Practice the Bible. The Bible says pray, you pray. The Bible says lay aside some sin, then lay aside some sin. The Bible says love your neighbor, then start loving your neighbor. And I realize all of that's easier said than done. It's sometimes it's just little baby steps here and there. But listen to it. All kind of apps that you can listen to the Bible all day long if you want. You can listen to the whole Bible in 71 hours on regular speed. You have a job where you're you're by yourself. Two weeks you can listen to the whole Bible just in your 40-hour work. You'd be surprised at what you can pick up and stuff. You, you're like, I never heard that before. I didn't know that was in there. Meditate on it and share it with somebody else. That the Bible is not just for you, it's not just for me, but it is for everybody so that they too can come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Martin Luther, Catholic priest who became disillusioned with some of the practices of the Catholic Church, said he didn't set out to start a reformation. He didn't start to set out a movement. He didn't start to, he didn't really want to start a separate church organization. But when he nailed the 95 Theses to the door of the castle of Wittenberg, it sparked something. And as a result of that, the reformation that began in the church, you and I, have the Bible today. We have physical copies. Some of you have physical copies with you today. Digital copies. I have the same Bible program on my computer and, and on my phone. I've probably got 45 different translations. Probably have 25 hard copies of the Bible that I almost never use because I have it in digital format. None of that would be possible had it not been for their sacrifice and people getting burned at the stake so people could have the Bible in their own language. We have the Bible. The question is, do we get into it? Do we like newborn babies? desire the pure milk of the word that is what God is calling us today to do is to get a passion and a hunger for the word of God so that the word of God can change and transform us so that he can make us into what he wants us to be there is coming a day when we will be conformed to his image I mentioned that already 
there's no time like the present to make sure that we're on that journey of confirmation to his image. Would you stand together? And I would tell you that this this message is not just for you, but but I need everything I just said. That none of us are exempt from needing the Word of God in our lives. None of us are exempt from the need to grow in our relationship with Him and to mature in the faith. Would you lift your hands, close your eyes, just lift your hands where you are. Jesus, we want to be everything that you have called us to be. God, we want to grow in our relationship with you. God, we want to have that same passion that newborn babies have for your word, but we don't want to stay that way. Where we're newborn babies in our faith, Lord, but we want to grow and to mature into everything that you want us to grow and everything you want us to become, everything you want us to be. Lord, I pray today that you would grip our hearts and that you would call us to a deeper walk with you deeper level of commitment to you, a deeper love for your word, a deeper love for being in your presence today. Let your spirit, Lord, that I feel so strong in this place right now, I pray, Lord, that it would transform us and change us and make us and mold us into everything that you want us to be. God, work in us today. Work in us tomorrow. Work in us every day. Help us to grow in respect to our salvation. We don't want to stay where we used to be. Lord, we want to get better as the years and the days go by. We want to become more and more like you. Would you make that your prayer today?